Children look to their parents for guidance, security, and self-esteem as they develop. Parents who are neglecting their own mental health are likely to have difficulty being the source of support for their children's need to flourish. collective thank you for joining me today on this episode if you are a continued listener thank you so much for your support if you are new thank you for checking it out i hope that you continue to listen to future episodes you subscribe um, and listen to past episodes also Um, If you are new, I would like to invite you to go check out my artwork and my photography at the link in the description. Um, We also have new merch that has dropped at the Collective Culture Shop, which is also in the link in the bottom in the description. So let's get into this very important topic. Now, I have done an episode on parenting. I've done a few kind of uh, episodes talking about parenting. Um, and I have done several episodes talking about mental health. Um, and I've kind of incorporated the two a little bit, but I really want to hone in on, uh, what impact that a parent's mental illness would have on their children. And I can talk on this topic because I was raised by um, a mother who had a pretty severe mental illness. And I talk about that um, in past episodes also. Um, But my mom was basically medically diagnosed uh, paranoid schizophrenic manic depressive. And that's challenging um, to hear and to say. It's a lot. And it's a big diagnosis. Um, And it's real. And I really experienced it with my mom growing up and it definitely impacted me for sure in a lot of negative ways in a lot of negative ways I think it also had a positive effect on me in the fact that I grew up to be a very strong independent woman um, because I had to spend a lot of time on my own I was I was the only child too so I didn't have brothers and sisters Um, my dad worked a lot so I was alone a lot of the time And it definitely made me a stronger person. I had to see and experience a lot of kind of, I mean, for a child, it would be a scary thing. Um, My mother would be in and out of the state hospital on the uh, mental ward. And we would go visit her. And it was traumatic. It was a traumatic thing to experience. It's like a scary movie. You know, if you guys ever seen the scary, the horror movie. Uh, the crazies. Uh, if you've ever seen anything about uh, insane asylums and things like that, it was very similar to, to that experience for me as a kid. And I'm talking about, I was probably as young as seven years old is what I can remember. So, yeah, scary, really scary, but also very eye opening. Um, now, my mother was not near as, I guess, bad off, if you will, or her, or her, I guess, symptoms. I don't really know how to describe it. They weren't near as bad as, like, some of the people that were in the hospital with her. 
And to be quite honest, if I had to stay in that hospital for a day, I would probably be crazy too. So I don't know. And, and, you know, honestly, I think that a lot of mental illnesses are mistreated. They are misdiagnosed and they're mistreated. And my mother being one of them, she has always been shoved chemicals at her. You know, they've always shoved chemicals at her. Every doctor, every psychologist, every psychiatric doctor that she's had has just force fed her pills and you know not you know tried to stress the point of you know you need exercise daily exercise a healthy diet meditation that was never anything and still to this day is not even shown to my mom as an option for her health for her mental health for her physical health and they go hand in hand you know I know when my mental health is shit, my physical health suffers from it. So, um, and, you know, another reason why I wanted this episode, because I feel like mental illness is a, it's being very much brought in the public eye, uh, as of late. And especially with all the mass shootings and just the nonsense and craziness that is going on in the world. I'm hoping that this is going to put more awareness on mental health than than it ever has before. Um, I don't have the highest hopes for it because it's still kind of being shoved under the rug. Um, But if you are raising a child and you do have mental illness, this is serious because it starts at home. Uh, A lot of these kids that go out and bully and... You know, they they turn, they go down the wrong path in life, if you will. It's because they don't have a very strong structure at home. And I didn't have the strongest of structures at home. Both my parents were at home uh, for the most part, you know, with with the exception of my mom being in and out of the hospital. Um, I had a very strong father figure. Um, who was there for me, who took care of me, who showed me work ethic, who showed me how to be strong, resilient. Um, But I didn't really have my mother around. Now, I had other mother figures in my life. I had my aunt, who I was very close with, uh, my friends' moms, I was really close with them, and my grandmother, my grandmothers, I should say, um, my cousins, you know, but like, having my biological mom there for me you know the one who i was in her belly and connected to her i didn't really have her um not the way that i would have wanted to not the way that she probably would have wanted to um and then later on in life i didn't have her to be the grandmother that i know she would have wanted to to my son so we i missed out on a lot of things um being raised by a father only. But I think that if my father would have stayed, I don't think that I would be the person I am today. Uh, I think I probably would have had a strong victim mentality. Um, I probably would have incorporated a lot of my own paranoias. Uh, My anxieties would probably would would have been way worse um, had my mother been around a lot longer. Um, Now, when I talk about 
parenting with a mental illness on this episode, I'm not so much talking about severe diagnosis of a schizophrenia or, or something like that. It's really hard to, um, to deal with life in general when you're, when you're diagnosed schizophrenic. Um, I know it can be done, but with my mother and her, where she was at on the spectrum, if you will, there was no way she was going to, she was going to parent me because she could barely take care of herself. So, you know, I'm talking more in regards to, um, things that I suffered with anxiety. Um, you know, I worry about things a lot. And when you're a parent, I mean, that just comes on 10 times more than when you're not a parent, when you're just worrying about yourself. Um, things like, uh, hypersensitivity and being overly emotional, things like that. We're going to get into this. Um, and I want to start right away with, uh, what impact does, uh, you know, your mental illness as a parent to your child have on them? What impact does it have on them? And the effect of a parent's mental illness on a child is it's varied and it's unpredictable. Although parental mental diagnosis um, or diagnosed illnesses pose biological um, and environmental risk for children. Not all children will be negative, negatively affected um, or affected in the same way. Exactly. That's what I was just saying. The fact that a parent has mental illness alone is not sufficient to cause problems for the child in the family. Rather, it is how the mental illness condition affects the parent's behavior as well as the familiar relationships that may cause risk to the child. Exactly. I mean, if you have an uncle or, you know, around the kid who's an alcoholic and is constantly drunk around the child, I mean, it's the same thing, you know. The age of onset, severity, and duration of the parent's mental illness, the degree of stress in the family resulting from the illness, and most importantly, the extent to which parents' symptoms interfere with positive parenting, such as the ability to show interest in their child, will determine the level of risk to the child. The child's age and stage of development is also important. So there's a balance to this too. It's showing low interest in the child or showing high interest in the child. There has to be a balance. You can't fully neglect your children and you cannot be a helicopter. Um, it is, you know, it's easier said than done, obviously guys, but these are two things that are extreme cases of parenting that I've seen go highly awry. Okay. And very much go in the wrong directions. And I've seen it with my own parenting style with my son, where if I am too much, you know, in his face and I'm too much spending time with him and not letting him learn on his own that he can suffer from that too. So I get it. If you're a first time mom, especially, and you want to spend every waking moment with your kid, just understand how that is unhealthy. And if you don't believe me, just see the effects, see it in your own kids, because every kid is different. Every parent is different, but also do your own research. You know, don't just take my word for it. I am not a doctor. Okay. I am just sure. I'm just sharing with you my own research on this and my own experiences being raised also by a parent who had a mental illness. Okay. <clears throat> so something that I worried about a lot when I was growing up was that I was going to be schizophrenic too. 
was that I was going to have a severe mental illness because my mom has one. And I think society also was scared of that for me too. Like my friends, my uh, immediate family, my extended family. And I wouldn't talk about my mom a lot to people who didn't know her situation because I was so afraid that they were going to judge me. So everybody asked this question, will your child have the mental health condition that you do? Mental health conditions, which I found out, are not contagious, but research shows that some mental health conditions may have a genetic link. Yes, bipolar disorder is one of them. It has been shown to run in families. Other people may pass on hereditary traits that make a mental mental health disorder more likely without passing on a specific disorder. Um, like me, I do not have um, manic depressive disorder, uh, paranoid schizophrenic. I don't have that either. Uh, my microphone is going to die <laughs> right in the middle of this episode, guys. This is real life, and I do not edit any of my episodes so um we're gonna keep going as i change microphones (laughs) um because you have a mental health condition it does not mean that your child will have a mental health condition but because of your own experiences it may help you be better attuned to psychological challenges that parenting can bring and even if you don't have a mental illness Parenting can bring challenges, mental challenges, okay? Extreme exhaustion when you're not sleeping, right? Especially you moms knowing your first, the first few months of having your baby home with you, you're not sleeping. Let me change out. I am so sorry about that, guys. Uh, Okay, we're just going to have this in two segments, I guess. (laughs) I'm having technical difficulties, but I do not want to lose sight of what's important. And we're just going to go right back into this. So basically, where I left off was I was letting you guys know that just because you may have a mental health condition, it does not necessarily mean that a child is going to have that same condition Um, And really, though, focusing on and being better attuned to the psychological challenges that parenting can bring, like, you know, the first couple of months of having your baby home, the sleep that you're not going to be getting, um, just things like that, okay? Now, there are some risk factors that I'm going to talk about. So, children whose parents have a mental illness are at risk for developing social, emotional, and or behavioral problems. Um, An inconsistent and unpredictable family environment often found in families in which a parent has a mental illness contributes to a child's risk. Other factors that place a child at risk but particularly increase the vulnerability of a child whose parents have a mental illness, which would include, but are not limited to, poverty, occupational, or marital difficulties, Poor parent-child communication, parents co-occurring substance abuse disorder, openly aggressive or hostile behavior by a parent, and single-parent families. 
Families at greater risk are those in which mental illness, uh, a child with their own difficulties and chronically stressful family environments are all present, are at all present. Many of these factors, however, can be reduced through prevention um, interventions. For example, poor parenting child communication can be improved through skills of training and marital conflict can be reduced through couples therapy. Um, obviously prevention is better, uh, than a cure. And for a lot of mental, um, if not all mental health conditions, there is no cure for these as of now, you know, I'm hoping that in my lifetime, at least or in my son's lifetime, he and I will see something being cured. I would love to see one, at least one, you know, even low grade mental illness would be, would, there would be a cure for that. Now the prevention perspective, whether or not your child, uh, whether or not children of parents with mental illnesses will develop social, emotional, or behavioral problems depends on a number of factors. These include the child's genetic vulnerability, the parent's behavior, the child's understanding of the parent's illness, and the degree of family stability. For an example, the number of parent-child separation, you know, that happens in homes all over the place. And it did happen in my home. My dad did separate me from my mom, but it was for the betterment of me. He actually did the right thing. Prevention intervention aims at addressing risk risk factors and increasing the child's protective factors that uh, will increase the likelihood that they will be resilient and grow and develop in positive ways. Effective prevention strategies help increase family stability, strengthen parents' ability to meet their child's needs, and minimizing the child's exposure to negative manifestations of their parents' illness, which is exactly what my father did by removing me from that situation. Let me get a drink. Okay. Again, protective factors. Increasing a child's protective factors helps develop his or her resiliency. Resilient children understand that they are not responsible for their parents' difficulties and are able to move forward in the face of life's challenges. Exactly. Something that... I stress with my son. He has some of my negative traits, unfortunately. One being uh, he does not like to disappoint people. (laughs) I don't know if that's actually a challenge, but he gets, you know, kind of emotional if he thinks he's going to fail at something. So failure, you know, obviously it's for everybody. They don't, nobody wants to fail. Um, But he does take it to heart. He does have anxiety. Um, He does have social anxiety too. And I from a very young age incorporated breathing techniques with him Uh, because as I tell him it's you know when you're having these you know quote-unquote panic attacks these are very mild but sometimes can you know evolve into very severe panic attacks and severe panic attacks should not be ignored they can result in a heart attack sometimes or cardiac arrest in severe cases so I stress to him that it's because the brain is malfunctioning. And in order to help the brain better function, we need to allow the oxygen to get back to the brain. So these breathing exercises that I do with him 
automatically bring him back to the present moment where nothing is scary, nothing is happening to him. Because a lot of times these these episodes or these, these triggers that he has, um, nothing is really happening to him in that moment. He's just created this world where it is, you know. So it's very important to use things like meditation as a uh, protective tool and a preventative tool. So it is always important to consider the age and stage of development when supporting children. Protective factors for children are the following. A parent's warm and supportive relationship with his or her child, help and support from immediate and extended family members, a sense of being loved by their parent, positive self-esteem, good coping skills, positive peer relationships, interest in and success at school, healthy engagement with adults outside the home, and ability to articulate their feelings. Remember, again, guys, though, there's remember their age and their stage of development too, okay, with some of these. An ability to articulate your feelings, uh, parents who are functioning well at home, at work, and in their social relationships, and parental employment. So that's just to name a few protective factors um, that you can do for your child if you are raising them with a mental illness, no matter how major or minor the illness is, okay? So next, this is a very important part. So this is how do you talk about your your mental illness with your child? And honestly, guys, honesty is the best policy. But again, remember their age and their state of development, where they're at, what they can comprehend. Um, I did mention in the past episode that, uh, you know, I would have these these mental health check-in conversations with my son and we would talk about stuff like this we would we would talk about bipolar disorder we would talk about anxiety we would talk about autism because he is on the autism spectrum and just i, I noticed even just in humans on children humans but just adult humans too if we have a better understanding of something we fear it less and fear a lot of times will cause these anxiety, these these illnesses, these mental illnesses, these anxiety, this post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Um, and it's because we don't have a firm understanding, maybe of what happened to us if it's p if it's post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, maybe we are fearing something happening in the future that hasn't happened, so we're not living in the present moment, which is absolutely where meditation can come in and help with that. Uh, But let's get into this. How to talk to your child about your mental health condition, again, will depend on the age and maturity of your child and your willingness to open up to him or her. In general, children, especially as they grow older, are very astute and knowledgeable about their surroundings. They can sense emotional changes and can often tell if something is hidden from them without their knowledge. Yes, yes, yes. Some children may be able to fully understand what it means to have a mental health condition. In talking with children, you can help them to know how to cope when you are not feeling well. And a child may be able to support you in your recovery by reminding you when to take your medication or help you stay on track. Yes, 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 yes. Because I do these breathing exercises with my son and I've been doing them his whole life, just about, he does them with me. 
So if I get stressed, if I get overwhelmed, he always says, Mom, let's do the breathing thing, you know? And he knows. He knows that it works. He knows that it helps him. So he wants to, you know, help me. Your decision to talk to your child about your condition should also take into account your readiness. Parents often want to appear invincible and strong and, you know, they can do everything as they think it is the parent's role to take care of a sick child and not the other way around. The decisions you make should be made with both parent and child in mind. Now, before proceeding, you should always talk to your doctor, your therapist about the best way to bring this information up. If you're feeling, you know, unsure, you may want to consider the possibility of inviting a child or your child to a session to explore this information. So some things that I wanted to list that you might experience, um, something that you can expect from your child when bringing this up. Um, The first one would be anger. Your child may be angry at you for having a mental health condition. Now I can totally resonate with this. And this is going to choke me up a little bit because I was very angry with my mom when I was a kid. I didn't understand, um, you know. The child may think that it was your fault that you had a mental illness and that it's your fault that they will have to experience a harder life. Your child may also be angry at external forces such as a higher power or the world or unfairly hurting you or your family. Your child may also be angry at him or herself If you notice anger problems in your child, you should talk to your therapist or doctor about arranging for your child to join in a session. Yes, I, like I said, I can definitely um, contest to this. I, I was angry at her because I just wanted her to be normal. And more so, I wanted her to be normal around my friends. I was more so worried about other people's judgment, right? Next is fear. Your child may be scared about what the future will bring. Your child might be afraid about how your mental health condition will change your relationship with them. They might be afraid about your ability to take care of them. You know, very valid. Your child may also be scared about what others will think if they found out that you have a mental health condition. Exactly what I just said. Sit down and talk to your child about these issues. Reassure them that you still love them. Next one would be guilt. Your child may blame him or him or herself uh, for your condition, especially in cases of anxiety or depression. This is something that I went through with my child. He didn't necessarily blame himself for my anxiety, but I seen that he was kind of thinking it. And I had to very quickly reassure him that it had nothing to do with him. Your child may express guilt by taking over an inordinate amount of household duties. Uh, Your child may try and hide his or her own problems so as not to make your life any worse. Again, something that I go through with my son sometimes where he doesn't want to, you know, give me anxiety, doesn't want to give me fear by not letting me know sometimes what's going on with him, which is why we do these mental health check-ins. I don't require him to tell me everything. You know, he's his own person. He can have his own secrets and stuff as long as they're not hurting him or someone else i'm fine with it shame is the next one despite efforts to educate the public about mental illness mental illness is still often a 
misunderstood condition. Like I said, your child might be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. He or she might think that your condition will have a negative impact on his or her social life and may be worried about it. Yes, that's what I just said. Sadness. Your child may become very sad when they learn that a loved one, especially their parent, is hurt or sick. You should talk to your doctor about ways to cope with sadness and ways to know when sadness becomes depression. Now, yes, you can absolutely talk to a medical professional about this, but, you know, do your own research, guys. We have so many resources available to us, and even for free, like this podcast. (laughs) Um, Anxiety is the next one. Your child may become over-anxious or worried about you if he or she learns that you have a mental health condition. These children tend to be overly helpful and may miss out on their own lives. Next is relief. For some children, learning that you have a mental health condition might be a relief. It might help explain behaviors or incidents, incidences that they have experienced that previously they could not understand. And lastly, supportiveness. Your child may be very supportive of your mental health regardless of his or her previous attitudes towards mental illness. Often having mental illness in a family can change someone's orientation towards mental illness. And I can absolutely speak to that because not, you know, if I didn't, I don't think if I didn't have a mom with such a severe mental illness and being around it, growing up with it, I don't know that I would be such a heavy advocate for it now. Um, And why I started this podcast, why I'm writing this book about my mom Uh, Because I do want to help and I do want to put so much more awareness on mental health and how important it is to have it in in check. Now, here is an area where how can you care for a child um, while you're caring for yourself? In addition to being a parent, you're also a person. You recover, your recovery plans and activities should always include time for yourself that is relaxing and beneficial. Exactly. Bring this back to what I said earlier. Spending too much time with your child is not healthy. If you have a crisis action planned in advance, you should designate someone to help with your parenting duties. If your child is old enough, you should discuss your plan with them and identify resources and options together handling things when you are not well yes now obviously this would be more on the severe end you know if you just have mild anxiety this is not probably going to apply to you but like I said help is out there and I know for moms I can speak to this for especially first-time moms we never want to ask for help I, I will never understand that because I did that I, I had these little short periods where I was like no I could do it all myself But then I was like, hell no, like this is too overwhelming. This is stressing. I need help. You know, and I would go to his his dad or I would go to um, a grandparent, you know, one of my son's grandparents or a friend, you know, I, I knew that it was not healthy to try to take on everything myself. I knew that. And I'm so glad that I knew that back then because it would have been hell if I wouldn't have understood that that was important, you know. Something that um, I know my mom was very afraid of growing up, or me growing up, and something my family was very afraid of. Now, my dad was there, so it wasn't a huge concern. 
Um, but I know that other parents go through this and they think to themselves, can I lose my child because of this? A higher proportion of parents with serious mental illnesses have lost custody, okay? It it has happened. Um, Like I said, my mom wouldn't have because my dad was there, and we we had it under control for the most part. There are many reasons why parents with mental illnesses could risk losing losing custody, including um, the stresses their family undergo, the impact on the ability to parent, economic hardship, and the attitudes of mental health providers, social workers, and the child protective service system, um, you know, are many factors um, weighing in on, you know, this being a thing in general. Supporting a family where mental illness is present takes extra resources that may not be available or may not be offered. Also, a few state laws um that could cite mental illness as a condition that can lead to loss of custody or parental rights. One unfortunate result is that parents with mental illness might avoid seeking mental health services for fear of losing custody of their children. And studies that have investigated this issue report that one, only one third of children with a parent who has a serious mental illness are being raised by that parent. Uh, in New York, this is interesting, 16% of the families involved in the foster care system and 21% of those receiving family uh, services include a parent with a mental illness. I actually was one of those because I grew up in New York. Grandparents and other relatives are the most frequent caregivers if a parent is psychiatrically hospitalized. However, other possible placements include voluntary or involuntary placements in foster care. So I, this is just, I, I don't want to scare anybody, but I do want to make you very aware of if you do not get the proper help, that serious actions can happen. Okay. So now obviously we want to help families stay intact. Mine did. Um, my dad, remove me some from the situation um so my mom did lose custody of me but it was the best decision for not only me but her as well and her condition so it although at first it was very hard on my mom it was very hard on me it was the best decision that was made and I know my father did not do it in the best way that he possibly have done it Um, but it had to be done. It had to be done. And I, you know, being in my forties now, I can with all certainty say that my dad did the right thing for me. So, but you know, it's, it's never easy mental illness and whether you are dealing with it yourself or you're dealing with it with someone else that's close to you, especially if it's your parent or you're the child, and you're a young child and you're, you, you don't understand it. And that's one of the reasons why I'm writing this book about my mom. And the book is called uh, M.O.M, which stands for My Other Mother. And the reason I'm writing this is because I want to partially, you know, part of the book is going to be about her. It's going to be telling her story. Um, part of it's going to be about my dad's side of it, his perspective. And then the meat of the book is going to be my perspective and, you know, how it impacted me, how it affected me growing up 
and how it made me the person I am today and the things that I experienced when I was younger and the path that I chose um, when I became an adult because it is it was is and was my choice to go down the path that I went down uh, because I could have went down the path of being a victim and letting my childhood trauma define me in my adult years and make me a, a parent who would you know imprint those imbalances on my child so I decided not to go down that road and I decided this before I ever had a kid but then when I had a kid I had a kid in a very stressful environment. Me and his father were not getting along. We were not happy. We were not in love. And unfortunately, we got pregnant and we had a kid in that environment. And I didn't stay there very long. Um, I stayed longer than I probably should have because of financial reasons. But I knew that that was not the environment that I should raise my child in. And that was something that my father showed me by removing me from that situation. So, you know, I hear a lot of people say that, you know, oh, you came from a broken home and you're going to be messed up. It doesn't have to be a quote-unquote broken home, right? It has to be, it's an unhealthy home. That's why it's broken, right? So you have to remove, sometimes the best thing you can do for your kid is to remove them from a bad situation. And that's exactly what my father did. That's exactly what I did. And that's exactly what I would tell any of you out there if you're in this situation. Now, obviously, my dad, one of the major reasons, maybe the only reason that he left my mom, that he took me out of that situation, was because of her mental illness and the severity of her mental illness, how it was affecting me. I was missing school because of it. I wasn't sleeping. I was having nightmares. It was affecting me. It was affecting him. So, you know, my my mother's family just labeled him selfish right out the gate because they weren't seeing things from his side. They didn't understand that my father had been with her for 18 years and dealt with this pretty much the entirety of their relationship and their marriage. And, you know, like they did not take into account how this was affecting him, how this was affecting their daughter, you know, me and that he did whatever he thought was the best decision for me growing up. And I am forever grateful to my father for that. And RIP, Dad. So I want to go over a little bit more. Let me find my notes here. Sorry, guys. I did so much research on this episode that I don't want to miss anything. So these are some strategies um, to support your mental health. I did mention a few of them earlier, but I want to mention some more. Um, And one of those, my number one, is take a few minutes for yourself every single day. I know I'm repeating myself, but it needs to be said again. You got to carve out a little time to unwind. Okay, it is very, very important. Another one is pause and check in with yourself every day. Brief moments of self reflection can help you better understand what areas of your life are going well, 
what areas may need attention, and what you need in order to thrive. Next one is don't be hesitant to seek help. Exactly. I mean, I cannot stress this enough, guys. Being Going to see a primary care physician and getting put on an anti-anxiety, uh, antidepressant, that is not always the answer either. Okay. Yes, it is a form of seeking help, but it is not always the answer. Next one is be mindful of what you commit to. As a parent, it's tempting to try to do it all, right? To sign up your child for every after school weekend enrichment opportunity, to do every activity in the book with them all day long. Um, you know, put in maybe extra hours at work or in your career, keep your household clean, clutter free. And the list goes on and on. But saying yes to too many activities and tasks is a fast track to burnout, guys. And it can only create uh, more mental health or mental illness episodes also. It can can strengthen the severity of the illness. Next would be spend meaningful time with your family every day. Meaningful, guys. Meaningful. You've likely heard how important it is to spend quality time with your children What does that look like? It varies for each individual family, but quality time at its essence is about being fully present no matter what you're doing. Next, do not take adolescent behavior personally. Why don't they listen to me anymore? Why are they being so disrespectful? Why are they so moody? You know, teenage behavior is definitely something I'm going through right now. It can be... It can be a source of conflict and stress, okay? It can be helpful to remember that a lot of these behaviors through unpleasant, though unpleasant, are normal part of development. Yes. I mean, and I always put my put myself in my son's shoes. I remember when I was 15, okay? I, I Actually, he's way better. His head is way better screwed on, and his mind is way better than mine was at 15. And I just put myself in his shoes when he gets little attitudes with me, which isn't a lot, it's not. I know I I was like a biatch when I was 15. So, like, his behavior is so much more mature than mine was at 15. But, that being said, I do remember being 15. Slightly. Um, and lastly, schedule regular time to talk with your spouse, your partner, or someone close to you. Communication with a spouse or partner can frequently center on a household management rather than on thoughts and feelings. However, it's important to check in with each other. Yes. I mean, I when I was in a relationship, I tried my best to incorporate those mental health check-ins with my partner also because it's not just important for a parent-child relationship. It's important for all relationships. Um, you know, because you not only see where they're at, but they, then they know where you're at too. And there's no secrets. There's no, um, misunderstandings. There's no miscommunications. Um, and always say what you mean and mean what you say. You know, if there's, if there's something that's going on in your household right now, especially if you have children, okay. And you're avoiding it. You're avoiding it, avoiding it, avoiding it. Every time the moment seems right, you don't say the thing or you don't have the conversation about the thing that's bothering you. Guys, these things fester, okay? And they grow legs 
and they grow arms and they will hold you down and they will just get worse. And what will happen is it will create space between you and your partner. Okay. It'll also, it'll also grow space between you and your child too. So if something is bothering me with my son, we either handle it right away or we handle it as soon as we possibly can, where I'm in a good place to talk about it and he's in a good place to talk about it. And then we figure out a solution. We don't just talk about it. Talking is great, but if there's a problem, there needs to be a solution. And sometimes solutions don't come right away either. So if you guys are having, this is just a little side note, if you're not experiencing a mental illness, if you or your partner are not experiencing mental illness and you have children, understand that if you're experiencing marital problems or relationship problems that you're not dealing with, your child knows about it in some way, shape, or form. And I don't care how old they are because babies can sense things at as early as six months. They know emotions. They know sad. They know happy. They know angry. And as early as six months. So I've had people tell me, oh, you know, my kids too. They don't, they don't know that I'm unhappy or they don't know that I'm stressed out at my job. Yes, they absolutely do. You don't have to scream and yell in front of them for them to know. They know. It comes out in your energy, guys. And you can sit there and say energy is woo-woo, whatever. It's not. It's not. Just take a look at your child. Do this exercise. If you are having a stressful day and you try to bury it, you know, you try to bury it in front of your kid, see how they feel at the end of the day. Just take note. Even if you try to shield them from it, you know, you try to pretend you're happy and, you know, you sing kid songs and you're cheery, but you're deep down, you're frustrated, you're stressed, you're sad. See if they cannot notice it about you. See if they notice it about you. At the end of the day, when you're putting them down at night or when you're saying goodnight to them, do they take a lot of deep breaths? Do you hear them, you know, sigh a lot? And you might think, wow, they had a really good day. Why are they sighing? I'm telling you, it's because they're feeding off your energy. And unfortunately, we as human beings, we project energy onto other people. Sometimes we don't mean to. And they're not always positive energies. So just keep that in mind, guys. Um, Your kids know what's going on with you. Even if you don't express it to them verbally or visually, they absolutely can sense your energy. So I hope, as always, this episode has helped. It shed some guidance. I, I just want to illuminate mental health on this podcast as much as I possibly can. And with that being said, until next time, guys, I'm sending you so much love and light. Ciao.